uh, I'm curious how that went during the break. Yeah. Uh, did anybody even remember? Yeah. But isn't it humbling how the momentum carries? It's, I find even for people who've practiced a lot, that can be humbling to notice, whoa, how quickly this kind of lucid present moment awareness just goes. It doesn't go, of course, but we kind of get caught up, you know. And um, as you kind of, ref- it's just it's it's good to refine one's awareness of that, you know. Um, so at the beginning, I asked how many of you have are kind of new to meditation. How many of you have been practicing for like twenty or thirty years? Yeah. Okay. So. Okay. Good. Um, so maybe um, uh, partly tonight we'll talk, I'll talk, and then we'll talk with each other about, um, I guess one thing that I'm interested in is, what is, why is it that it's so hard for people to maintain this kind of lucid awareness? in the midst of just being normal. You know? uh, evidenced by the break. Maybe that was like evidence for you. you can say. Or maybe you remember it a couple times. How long did it last? This kind of like, just, when I say lucid awareness, I mean kind of being aware of in being here. Right? And that, that term is, uh, uh, I know Bhikkhu Bodhi is now translating mindfulness as lucid awareness, which I like. And I partly like it because it has that kind of, uh, it's sort of analogous to, to this lucid dreaming. Right? It's just sort of this idea that you can be aware in the, while you're dreaming. Yeah, and there, well, one thing I like about it is that in that lucid dreaming metaphor, has any of you ever had that experience, or maybe frequently, where you become aware that you're dreaming? You know, and there are degrees of lucidity in lucid dreaming. You can have that kind of little bit of lucidity where you're sort of like aware enough that it's a dream that you're not totally terrified by like the creature. You know, you can, you can look back and be like, yeah, I kind of knew. I had some like a sort of because I wasn't totally freaking out, you know? And then there's the kind of lucidity where you're just looking around the dream like this, and you're like, whoa, (laughs) ah, you know, where did you all come from? (laughs) And you're all wearing, yeah, anyway, you're all, (laughs) so this is pretty, but that kind of a lucid awareness of like, oh, real time, And, and that, degree of lucidity often we don't have in our waking life. Right? We're not he- here and aware in it. I'd say aware of it, because sometimes that's like a like a thinking move. I'm aware of being here. But aware in being here is sort of like, oh, at the body, looking around, seeing. Yeah. It's kind of, sometimes I call it just real, real-time awareness. So this is something that is not complicated. You know? uh, and we, we have this kind of awareness and often in important moments or moments where we've been preparing for it and like, okay, now it's time to be here. But it's, we often don't walk around through our life just engaging with being awake in our living. So, and one of the reasons, so I think there's like a number of reasons why. Uh, even sometimes people have been meditating a long time Sometimes 
there's a way in which I don't know what it is, but like it hasn't, it's not like carrying into everything the way it can. Partly I think it's that we don't know that it can. I mean, not consciously, like, oh yeah. But I think there's a way it's like you don't, we don't know it's possible for awareness to like carry in through our lives, all, all of it, you know, or a lot of it. In the midst of all of the ups and downs and all of the being, you know, all of the activities, like we don't really realize that that I think is possible. And uh, another reason I think is that um, uh, we, haven't brought it into our bodies fully. Um, in the Buddhist, you know, discourse on the, on the four establishments, four foundations of mindfulness, the Buddhist teaching out of which, like, all of the, you know, the mindfulness, it's like one of two discourses that the Buddha gave on mindfulness. Only two? Two main ones. The first uh, foundation of mindfulness is the body. And I think there's a way in which sometimes it's like, uh, yeah, we haven't really let awareness saturate the body. So I think there's not a coincidental that the Buddha is teaching about mindfulness in the body as like that he taught that first. Because it's sort of like really the foundation for being here, present here. And even in the instructions, there's a way in which I think um, we can be aware of the body for a long time. Yeah, I'm aware I have a body. I'm aware of the body. I'm aware of the breathing. Even the language sometimes. So like you're looking at it. And tonight I just want to invite us into uh, just a little switch in the language. Around mindful in the body. Yeah, Mindful of the breathing, in the breathing. That's actually kind of the way... It's like the way one would translate it, of the breathing, in the breathing, mindful in the body. It gives you a place, in a way, to abide. A foundation, that, that term foundations of, for foundations of mindfulness, it gives you like a sturdy foundation for being here. Because your, your body is always, it's like your primary vehicle for getting around, right? However you're getting around, it's always happening in the body. Yeah, the body is... And so, um, to have the body be a, a kind of a home, in a way, for awareness, is very useful. But how, do, how does one do that? How does that... Uh, how do we carry that forward? So I'll t- just tell a little story. Um, I told at the beginning of the evening, I talked about how Jack called me up after I'd gotten back from Burma and I was in a kind of a adjusting to regular life phase that took me a couple years. Okay. So, uh, that is the not advertised part of meditating. It can make you temporarily not that functional sometimes. Uh, it's always advertised as it makes everything better. It makes you more productive and make, so I'm just telling you, reading the fine print here. <laughs> yeah, just, just don't do too much of it. <laughs> but if you really go, go into it, sometimes, you know, and in our culture, we don't really have a lot of room for that kind of um, process, right? The idea that 
sometimes as you go deeper into things, it gets harder, not easier. Things kind of come apart as opposed to just come together. It's like we're in America, we're very, we're not into that. We're not into process in America, we're just into result. <laughs> you know, and like seemingly linear progression. But anyway, so I was in this period of time and uh, trying to figure out how to orient. And um, one thing that was happening during that time was I had spent a lot of time in, in this kind of deep retreat and kind of experiencing the body less as, a phys- as kind of like a solid thing and more as just kind of like particles of energy. And after coming back from Burma, I didn't quite have access to like my physicality in a certain way, which I hadn't noticed it. It wasn't really that problematic when I was on retreat in the middle of the forest somewhere. And, but, but it was sort of, I realized when I came back, it's like time to have a body again. You know, I had a body of course, but time to like, so I, I engaged in the, I was like, oh, you know, I practiced a lot. So I was like, oh, I know the mind yields to training. It really does. So I, I spent a couple months tapping my body, like this, just to get a little feedback. Yeah. So you could try it right now if you want. And yeah, and really, like you can practice feeling it, like oh, in your face. I even said things like my face, <laughs> my face. My neck, my chest. So I did this a lot because I needed to. And it's very interesting because, um, so that was just one phase of it. So I, I kind of, the way I understand it now is sort of like, it's like um, often our body, and I think there's research around how the body is mapped into the mind, kind of mapped into the brain or awareness. I think this kind of tapping thing, or whatever you do to get this feedback, it's like mindfulness in the body. It kind of maps the body into awareness or into the mind. And if you tap the parts that are harder to feel, you get a little feedback, you know, because often, you know, it's not like you have to feel your whole body. It doesn't really matter, but just to have some parts that you can feel, you know, it's like a place where awareness can be. So I think after just doing this a lot, I didn't have a lot to do at that time. So. <laughs> I was living pretty minimally. I did a lot of tapping. It looks really weird. You know, people see you. How you doing? Anyway, it's just, I think it's just mapping the body into awareness. I started to really feel my body in a different way. Because practice works. That's one of the things that you really see. It's like what you do with your mind shapes it. Yeah. And so I spent a few months tapping. And then I didn't feel like I needed the tapping so much anymore. I just started to do body scanning. You know, scanning through the body with awareness. And that gives you kind of like the penetrative awareness. Not like invasive penetrating, but just kind of like the inside. Feeling the inside. The skin skeleton, the you know, muscles in a different way, the inner parts. So you can kind of go through that. And I did that for months too, just this kind of. And it felt to me like, so sometimes, you know, losing something, you gain something, right? Because I had not been aware in my body in that way before. Because I hadn't spent that much time there in that kind of way. And so, yeah, I still do all kinds of body practice and stuff, but this kind of like mindfulness in the body, it gives you a different kind of foundation for being present. Yeah. Because you, you're already here. And, and the nice thing about after just that, then you can practice being present in your body your body's always here. It's always where you are. So you can practice any time. Well, that's just like awareness, right? That's why you can, 
it's not like you have to get away. You know, maybe in the beginning you kind of do, because it's sort of like you're just too caught up, so you have to get away to practice. But after you got some momentum, you don't have to get away, because you're always here. It's just a question of what are you doing here? What are you attending to? So it's always great opportunities to practice. Like you could walk down the street, and you can walk down the street being aware in your body, yeah? or just being aware, period. So this is a very, I just want to kind of talk about this because, you know, for those of you who've been practicing a while, you've heard this stuff before. We all hear this. But sometimes the really advanced stuff is not new stuff. It's not like, oh, let's get into the complicated part about dependent origination or something. That stuff's fine, too. But sometimes it's actually deepening into the simple stuff. You know, it doesn't have to be complicated. It's not, actually. It's not complicated. But, like, there's this um, kind of well-known, in certain circles, Tai Chi teacher who died from the Bay Area, uh, or came to the Bay Area a lot, uh, Benjamin Lowe. And his, his, students, so, uh, his students made up T-shirts of the saying that he used to have. Um, and he... If, uh, from Taiwan, so he, he, his English was broken, broken English or learning English. Anyway, they made the shirt in the way he said it exactly. On the front it said, you know it, and on the back it said, why you not do it? <laughs> you know, I really like that shirt. You know? uh, it's like, we know it, but, so it's, it's like the advanced part is like, Okay, let's, it's not like a doing it, like, but let's, can we, yeah, why? So anyway, I just want to talk about this body thing, because the, the kind of territory there is pretty vast, you know? And, um, and it's really different to, like, be aware of your feet than to be aware in your feet, you know, really feeling yourself connecting with the ground. To be in your body, like, you can trick yourself into this kind of awareness, and I'm going to teach you a trick right now. Okay? This is not, this trick will not sustain it for that long, but it, it will give you a little sense. So imagine for a second that this is a little like the lucid dreaming thing. Imagine for a second that this is a very good virtual reality simulation that we're in right now. And you now have access to this body, such as it is, exactly as it is. So just check it out for a few moments. What's it like to, you, to move it around? Look at all, you know. You can even look around. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah. Can pick something up. Wow. And you can feel too, which is pretty cool. Right. So, uh, you can keep going or stop. You can do that the rest of the time if you want. But um, this is just like a trick. That's just, what's it doing? It's just activating awareness, basically. Taking what's habitual and just deciding to be awake for a second. You can do it. But we don't kind of live like that because we get habituated to being here in a way. And then we go. So anyway, uh, I just want to invite you into this kind of relationship with your own body. It's very different than the relationship to like the way your body looks. You know, we all have a, or your story about your body, or your stories about your body. We all have that, you know. And then there's the direct experiencing. 
being in by this vehicle for being experiencing. I don't know. This is just coming to me, but like, uh, I had a very powerful experience watching this movie. Uh, I forget what it's called. It's called Her. Did you see that? Of the guy who falls in love with this operating system. And there's something about that kind of like that idea that you're experiencing, but you're stuck in a computer. And then what is, what's the difference? If you haven't seen the movie, this make, is going to make no sense. So just you could just follow your breathing for the next minute or so. It's not that important. <laughs> but just the kind of the gift, in a way, of being in a body, no matter what is going on with it. Because as a vehicle for experiencing and being able to move around the, wor- the, er- the, the world, you know, to be able to touch and feel and that just... Anyway, that somehow that movie kind of highlighted that for me. Of course, I'm always paying attention to stuff, but there's some, sometimes it's just like, oh yeah, that. So, so okay, so the body. So it's very useful. It's like we live, it's like we just live in our thoughts most of the time. Right? We live in our thoughts about life. So much of the time, so much of the time, it's like 90-something percent of the time, I think, we're just our thoughts about stuff. And often it's the future, it's the past, it's the story of me, and it's like stressful stuff a lot of the time. That's what most of our stress comes from, is not from what's actually happening, but from our thoughts about what's happening, about what it means, what it doesn't mean, where it's, especially where it's going or not going, what's happening now, right? So he's going to live there. And it's very different to come, this is part of what the basic meditation is about, come back to just being here for like a second. Just here actually with what's actually happening. Come back just to one breath. Just to being in your body. This It's a very powerful thing to come back again and again, out of your story, out of your fantasy, out of your fear fantasy, out of your future that is not happening. The future that you imagine is not real. It does not exist anywhere except in your own mind. That's humbling, isn't it? (laughs) It's just not happening anywhere. (laughs) I don't know how many different ways to say that. And uh, the past is not happening either right now. You know, there's memories happening, but it's not anywhere. Except, you know, and a lot of our stories about the present are really like very tenuous hypotheses. (laughs) You know, and a lot of them are wrong, especially the stories about who you are. They're really very, uh, I mean, it's deep. You know, the stories are deep. Those beliefs are really deep. Often they're so deep we don't, we don't experience them as thoughts. We don't think they're thoughts. We think it's just the way things are. Because they're such powerful filters for experience. You know, I am broken. You're not. But the thought, I am broken, gives one the experience. We're not even, often that level thought we don't even identify. It's just... This is true. I am not complete. There's something missing. There's something wrong. Very, very deep, nearly universal kinds of senses that are really, they're stories or beliefs that just become, it's like they're not really seen for what they are. So anyway, so this is this level of mentation and its power. You know, it has a lot of beautiful functions, too. And I'm not down on thinking at all. But what I am down on just believing it without checking it out, because there's a lot of, a lot of it is wrong. In the 90 percentile range, I think. <laughs> High 90s. <laughs> if I was getting, going to get quantif, you know, so I'm going to get into quantifying. So... Anyway, so this, this foundation in the body is very good to have a home here. 
that's not in the story about anything. It's just direct experiencing. Gives awareness a place to reside or abide. Awareness is always here, so it's not like you get it or lose it. But to give your awareness a place to kind of land and stay that's not in the vagaries of thinking is very useful. It gives one a feeling of stability, internal stability. This is the begin, you know, this is in the Buddha's teachings, or this samadhi, stability or unification of mind. This is this kind of stability of a presence, awareness. It's a very, very, it's very different than the way we often experience ourselves, which is like boom, 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 boom. And then we're trying to get stability by organizing the outside so that it's the way we want it which sometimes works, which is partly why it's so enticing. It's like it works just enough to be like, that has got to be the solution. <laughs> and, it, and we're just not paying quite enough attention to notice it really doesn't work in a lasting way. It's like when we really pay attention, we notice, well, that really is not. It's like, you know, if you know anybody who's really gotten what they want, or you have, not the solution. It doesn't fix the human condition. It doesn't. Yeah. So, so this internal stability of having a home base and presence, just, and the body's a really good foundation for that. Yeah. Also, when you're present in your body, then these other things that the Buddha pointed to, things that are good to pay attention to, become available to us available to awareness, and also we, we're st more stable in our presence so we can actually be with them in a way that, like sensations in your body, feelings. I mean, again, this stuff is like, well, I heard the four, you know, I heard the, the sensation talk, but you know it. I should just have that, that's why the t-shirt is good, you just say. <laughs> But yeah, we've got these sensations happening all the time that are running us around. Your feelings in your body, right? Isn't that what makes things hard? It's not the person that you're talking to or in relationship to or that you're related to. It's not the person that's hard. It's what the feelings they induce in you. <laughs> I mean, they, are, they might be objectively challenging. But what's tangibly hard about the momentary situation is what you're feeling, right? If those feelings weren't happening, you'd just be like, okay, do your thing. But no, when you do your thing, ah! <laughs> okay? So that's, that's why I have to say something to you that makes a big problem. For, you know, I have to say it because when I say to you what's wrong with you, these feelings go away temporarily. <laughs> I felt so agitated until I told you everything that was wrong with you, and now I get some temporary relief, you know, which is like really great for me. Also, a short-term solution. <laughs> so to have this capacity, this practice of being present in the body and making a practice of how do I practice with sensations that I feel, what I feel in my body? How do I learn how to be with the feeling of tightness in the belly, you know, or the feeling of uh, that just that uh, just physical pain. We have no training in our culture for how to be with physical pain and discomfort. It's a great place to practice because sometimes physical pain is more tangible than some of the emotional stuff. So it's like, yeah, I sit and my knee hurts. It's not how can I sit so my knee doesn't hurt. That's not the practice. The practice. How do you learn how to be with physical discomfort without? tensing up around it, or going into your, just being lost in the story about it. Yeah. And just to play with that territory is so useful. We're all going to have physical pain. Yeah. And no matter how little you have now, at some point you're going to have more. If things go well. <laughs> you know? Uh, it's like, that's success. You know, live a long time. That's a good thing. And, you know, sort of like that's, it's like, yeah. So 
can we practice with this? You know, it's very rich territory to be comfortable with the things that are uncomfortable. How do you be comfortable with physical pain in a way? It doesn't mean you like it. It doesn't mean it feels good. But that's this harmonious relating relationship to physical. It's very, that's a realm of practice. And then you, you just, in the formal meditation, which is, I see as kind of like a microcosm for our whole life. It's a place where you can practice with the stuff without a lot of outer input. So much happening, you get to practice being with physical pain. And just notice your mind, say, I cannot take another minute of this. You know? And then watch yourself take another minute of it. It's a great way to start undermining the stories. And the mind's like, hmm, that actually was not true at all. No, now I really can't take another minute of this. <laughs> and just breathe with the sensation. Breathe through. Watch those things come and go. It's really interesting. So who said that? You know what? Uh, this used to happen to me all the time. My son, my younger son, used to just, every time I put him in the car, he'd just cry the whole time. And somehow I noticed this. When I hear other ki- people's kids cry, it doesn't bother me at all. But there's maybe something biologically programmed in you. When you hear your own child screaming, it's just like, it's just a unique kind of feeling. It feels like something is wrong, even when you know it's just the car, you know, they're uncomfortable. So I just remember since like going to visit some people and just long drive, it's like a half an hour. But boy, did it feel long. It's crying from the moment you start. And I remember watching this thing, I was sort of driving and maybe because I, practice a little bit of mindfulness, sometimes I notice what my mind is doing. That's a joke. <laughs> but it's also true. It's just like, oh, driving and screaming, and I notice this thought comes like, I can't take this anymore. <laughs> you know, but we, you know, there's not really any choice at this point. So I noticed that thought come and go, and I realized, actually, it's really not true. And it would kept coming in the course of the car ride. So I was like, it's totally not true. I could take a lot more of that. You know, it was uncomfortable, but so sometimes we have no sense of where our actual limits are. But but we just have this kind of habitual kind of things going. The stories, there's a lot of them are really not true. So to be practiced in this domain of physical sensations, you have them all the time. I bet in the course of your just that little break, so many things came up, probably. You know? Who am I going to talk to? Who's Can you be present with that stuff and practice? Very useful. The whole realm of emotions. That, the place you can access that is your body. Feeling sad, feeling lonely. It's like they're happening here in you. And so they're in, they can be included in the domain of practice. That's what we're here to do in a way. It's a very powerful and unique thing for a person to choose to be pre- to be with to learn how to be with the human territory as it manifests in you fear sadness frustration joy pleasure these are things humans are not that practiced at being with i include pleasure because people also don't know how to exactly often handle feeling good how do we, it's not, well, I'm not allowed to feel good. I want to feel good. But as soon as I feel really pleasant, ple, you know, things feel really good, whoa. We don't trust ourselves in that space necessarily. What if I, what if I feel too free? Maybe I'll embarrass myself. <laughs> anyway, so... Uh, so the, the, loca- the presence in the body is like this place where it's all happening. And so this is, if you're all present in the body, it's like the territory of practice just is unfolding from moment to moment. Learning how to be with sensations in the body, pleasant and unpleasant. Learning how to be with feelings and emotions and states. Sitting with restlessness, very valuable. Mm-hmm. To be able to be with restlessness and be okay. You know, we start to get into this paradoxical territory of awareness where you can be with restlessness and feel stillness in the midst of it. Feel peace, total peace with restlessness present. This is like where awareness gets the kind of opposite thing breaks down a little bit. Be with t- 
total state of sleepiness and yet very awake in it. Aware of the mind going to sleep. Yeah. You can be with discomfort and yet feel not agitated in the midst of it. You know, at times, I'm not saying you should always should always be like that, but this is, I mean, this is what we're practicing in a way. You know? And, you know, emotions are very hard to locate if you're not present in your body, because most of where you have access to them is here. Where is fear? I don't know. It just seems like everything seems scary right now. The world is threatening. You've been reading the news. You know, and it's true, there is threat. But, but sometimes we don't recognize that fear is happening in you. That's where it's located. And so there's a, it's not just a fact, it's a, it's a, it's a territory of practice. It's so valuable to spend time, these places no one wants to spend time, like with fear. Uh, and where do you have access to it? You have access to it here, where, right? You can feel it, anybody? or anger. Where do you feel that? You feel it here. And then there's stories connected to it. But So this whole kind of talk is really just an invitation into you are the territory. You are the territory of practice. In fact, you are like you're the, you're the Buddhist path. Your body is like the Eightfold Path. The whole thing is with you, within you, and can, and it's like the invitation to like walk the path or something, or be, yeah, here for it. And then this whole unfolding happens out of that. I won't even say what's this unfolding, you know. It's not even, uh, but start with your body, you know, or come back to your body, even if you've been practicing for a long time, because I think this kind of like, how do we embody mindfulness? You know, mindfulness has the word mind in it. People, sometimes it gets a little abstract. What's embodied awareness? And there's a line from the Buddha where he says, you know, this, uh, the world appears and disappears in this, uh, and so do the Four Noble Truth in this fathom-long body. You know, if you're present here, you also have your thoughts. Where are they happening? Well, they're happening here. Yeah. This whole way that we construct our sense of the world through our thoughts about it also happening here. And it's very hard to see that happen in real time unless we have a stable foundation, unless we're here in some kind of sustained way, even if sustained means just a few moments. Yeah, then we can watch our mind actually be shaping things, shaping other people, shaping our sense of self from moment to moment. Yeah. You can see that happen. See somebody transform in front of your eyes into... Uh, something limited, watch it break apart, you know. Uh, one of my favorite activities for a while was just sitting uh, on the street and just watching people and watch my mind make up stories about them. <laughs> it's like, well, it's a really interesting. It's like people do this, on, people spend lot, long periods of time on retreat doing this. Just making up stories about people uh, based on very little information. <laughs> you know, it's another humbling thing when the retreat ends and you talk to somebody you had a big th story about and you just watch the thing crumble. You know, it's very uh, humbling. Uh, you know, it's good to see that in the external world because then it's also true here. Just the stories, you know, just. We're so limited by our ideas and beliefs about our, who we are. 
and who we're not. So limited by that. And from the stable base of awareness, stable place of presence, we can see this be created. So maybe that's enough of me. Uh, oh, I talked for a long time. Uh, that's enough of me rambling on. And, and let's take a little time just to dialogue about what you want to talk about. What is, if it could relate to what I'm saying or saying tonight or just your own practice. I, I want to just, I'm available to you for just to talk about whatever you're you know, wanting to talk about. I, whenever I teach, I always see it as, it's not really, it's not entertainment. It's, it's, um, it's, it's like a, a practice collective, you know. I'm assuming that if you're here, you're practicing in some way. So we can, we can dialogue about that. Um, and whatever, there really are no stupid questions or stupid comments in this territory. Uh, oh yeah, there's a microphone. Is, can somebody run the, Sean, could you run the mic around? Thanks. Do you want to start? Or you just no, want to, no, okay, yeah. Anybody, uh, yeah, let's start here. Thanks, John. So I really appreciate your um, speaking about the embodied experience. Um, I had an embodied experience before I arrived this evening that I thought was worthwhile sharing because cool. I can still recall it. So um, my next-door neighbor just bought a Harley-Davidson. Uh -huh. And um, it's really loud. Really loud, yeah. And so we're just about to sit down for dinner, and um, then, you know, he just starts it up. And my husband is also a practitioner, so I just said, so I am experiencing such rage right now <laughs> in my body as we sit down for this meal. And we just bought my four-year-old uh, drum kit. Uh -huh. We haven't set it up yet, but I just had this visualization of just going and just going off on the drums and uh -huh. just really, it's like, okay, competition for who is louder here. Uh -huh. And I explained this to my husband. I was like, so this is really what I'm experiencing. I'm going to verbalize exactly what I would like to do. And this is a perfectly wonderful human being that lives next door. He just, and he's so happy with this bike and just loves it. And so, and there's all this story that I have, and, mm -hmm. like the, and being with this uh, annoyance, a mm -hmm. difficult emotion, and mm -hmm. how in, in, in rage is a, uh, it's a common theme in my experience in, mm -hmm. this, in this body. Mm -hmm. So it arises, mm -hmm. and sometimes I say, okay, so I'm just going to watch it arise, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. it arises. Yeah. But it doesn't pass away when I'd like it to pass away. And I think that there's something really useful what? about that. What are you doing? You must be doing something wrong. <laughs> so, and they don't talk about this so much when you're sitting where you're sitting. You know, it's like, okay, so things arise and pass away. Right, they pass, certainly yeah. do. They certainly but, you do. Know, but they, but don't, they, they don't, don't pass, pass away, away quite so, conveniently. Exactly. Yeah. So with my, my child at four is doing something that's enraging me. Yeah. The tendency is that, okay, okay, so here it is. It's rage. There it is. I'm going to stand by the stove until it goes away. Yeah. And it doesn't go away. Yeah. It doesn't go away. And it's yeah. like, oh, here it is. Where do I feel it? Yeah. It just, it yeah. stays until it doesn't stay. That's a great, that's a great <laughs> comment. That's, yeah, things stay until they don't stay. And it's just really interesting. So yeah. um, I thought I'd just put that Thank out there. Thank you for I sharing really, that. I really appreciate that. Yeah, you know, no, it's that's, to, yeah. The, con the the power of the emotional states yes. uh, yeah to be able to laugh about it with like your partner in life is really kind of it's useful because because you, you're not acting on it it's just uh -huh. like oh here is this experience yeah, yeah I wonder if we can blow his mind with our drum kit sure sure <laughs> you, know? you know he's probably on his Harley going like they got that drum kit for their four year this is payback you know <laughs> right. but uh but this thing about uh you know, it's interesting, you have a four-year-old. It's really interesting with little kids. You say things arise and pass, but not at, uh, on your timetable. It's interesting how quickly they arise and pass with little kids. You know, it's really great to see that. It's like they're in total rage, and then they're in total happiness, or like so fast. All you have to do is give them what they want. <laughs> but even if they're sad about something, you know, they're really sad, and then you're like, Oh, look at that squirrel and they're like <laughs> you know and and but part of the reason is they're not 
holding on to the story. Right? That, and emotions move very quickly when we're not holding on to the story. You know? and so it's not like you shouldn't, it's not like you should be able to not hold on to the story. So, but, but I think it's just good to see that. It's like, yeah, and you might notice that when you really can allow a feeling, actually, it moves through quicker. But it doesn't work if you do it as a strategy. Because the psyche is so refined that if you say, I will accept this as it is so that it will go away, it doesn't work. <laughs> it's, it's weird. It's like, it's like you cannot fool that part of the mind. But if you can really, the, it's to the degree at which we can let the state be present, it's the degree to which it can move through. And it's, it's just a domain of practice. Can I let myself feel this rage, like you say? And then, and then another useful line, which I have used for, on myself, is um, in order to kind of help activate this, actually welcoming it, or is, uh, what if it were here forever? How could I be with this if it wasn't gonna go away? Sometimes that short circuits the strategy part of the mind. You know, it's like that, that sign at the, in, in the Dante's Inferno, you know, at the entrance to the circles of hell, give up all hope, you who enter here. That's an allegory of the spiritual path. There's, some, right? There's something about giving up hope, which is not like drowning in hopelessness. It's, uh, it's actually about... What is it to be in this fully? Yeah. Would you mind stop not talking in the back over there? Excuse me? Madeline? Could you guys not talk in the back? Thank you. Yeah, that's really... Yeah, in the back. She's holding my glasses for me. I can't, I don't need to see to talk. <laughs> I know this isn't a parenting group, mm -hmm. but my life is so surrounded and uh, underwater sometimes, mm -hmm. and it is my biggest teacher. <clears throat> when I go on family retreats every summer here, I always start out with thinking that all the families are doing so well. And my family's the one that's having the most problems. Mm -hmm. So that's my story that I tell, is that everyone looks so good, they're so together, mm -hmm. and then I use that story against me. Mm -hmm. But the retreat is four days long, and somewhere as the retreat goes on, everyone's crazy. <laughs> everyone's having a hard time with their kids. So my dilemma is I start out by feeling... Um, my story is that I'm the only family with the craziness. Mm -hmm. And then as time goes on, I'm so together. These people are nuts. <laughs> yeah, right. And it's no better. It's yeah. no better than the story yeah. I tell mm -hmm. of my family like that. So mm -hmm. then I have to let go and say, maybe we're just all crazy and we're all okay. So I'm, I, I learned that by watching is that when I get off the story and say, just let it go. You mm -hmm. don't have to decide how everyone else is doing or how you're doing. Everyone's just having a time. Then I can feel free. Mm -hmm. That's my freedom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's good to see how the stories fluctuate. Yeah. You're on, you're, you're winning and then you're losing, or you're better and then you're worse, and then you're equal, and it's all the same thing. You know, and it, it, I think the way I think about it, you don't even have to get rid of any of your stories. If you had to get rid of them, that would be a lot of work. You just have to not believe them. You know, and I think that's what awareness allows. It allows, it's really in seeing clearly, it, we, it starts to undermine, like you were talking about, it undermines our automatic belief in what, in these evaluations, which are very relative. Yeah. So it's not like you, you have to make them go away. It's just... Uh, the freedom is not believing, automatically believing what you think. There's like a bumper sticker about that. And don't believe everything you think. And, and it's, again, it's these simple truths which are 
they're sometimes the most profound. Uh, And it's great to notice that, you know, that thing of I'm better than and I'm worse than. I mean, it's just, it's even interesting to notice how that pops up. It's like, sometimes I think of that as people have like a real longing to locate themselves. It's almost like some dharmic impulse gone weird, like a lot of our things are. I want to know where I am, but my only way of determining that is in relation to like, well, how are you doing, you know? And it's like, that's not the reference point, really. But it's sort of like without an inner reference point of like, that's not in comparing. It's like we don't, if without a reference point in presence, we're looking for it outside. We're looking for it in an idea of success. When I get there, then I'll have a location. Then I'll be where I need to be. Or we're looking at it in, or from relationship. When I have a certain kind of relationship, we're looking for it from the outside, a way to locate ourselves. It's a very, I can empathize, we can all empathize with that impulse. Oh, it's, I'm better, I'm doing better than everybody else at the family retreat. It's like, <laughs> they're just the people who are there, so it's like, now I feel good about myself. But then if you, went to Thich Nhat Hanh's family retreat where there are like hundreds of families and you're like, well, I'm not doing as well as half of these families. Then all of a sudden you feel worse. But your state, your situation hasn't changed at all. It's just you feel better or worse. And that's, it happens for people just when they're alone meditating. They look around the retreat and everybody's meditating quietly or they look around the room and everybody's sitting quietly and you think, it's because they're not talking. You think they're all in light. Everybody's peaceful. And I'm the only one who's lost in my thoughts. I bet 80% of you had a thought like that. Maybe more. I'm, I'm the one that doesn't belong here. You know, I'm the meditation failure story. I'm the one for whom the Buddha's path does not work. I should try TM or whatever. Or I, I should try anything. I should try, uh, I don't know what. Cooking. Yeah, I should try cooking. I should try cooking. Yeah. So I, it's a great thing to look, look at. How do we locate? And comparing, the Buddha talked about that. Comparing is this tendency of mind. It's very deeply ingrained. Uh, and it's, it's, yeah. What is it to just be what you are? without comparing, what is that even for a moment? Just be fully what you are. What if it wasn't about better than worse than? Can you even feel into that for a moment? Better you, what if it wasn't that? That's kind of touching into what is being with things as they are, being things as they are. Will we have a question here? Yeah, okay. So it seems like the... um fluctuation that you're discussing or the reference points uh, is dualism, right? I'm either better or lesser. And um, so I see that I've done that where it's like, then I try to go to love and compassion because that feels like the happier state to be in or the more um, Mm -hmm. desired state. But that, um, but then when you said, how about just being with what is, what is might be an agi- you know, like an agitation. And that yeah. does, but that doesn't feel like it's the um, desired state either. No. That's exactly my mind, though, yeah. that I can go to when I, when I even think of the thoughts of love and compassion. I can actually feel the, the, the um, sensations of that. I can move my... Yeah. So it, um, and I don't, but, and I recently realized that, that even doing, you know, spinning the love and compassion also feels dualistic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it feels like there's space inside the space, but it's, and just that. Yeah. I mean, that's a great point. Sort of like, there's nothing wrong with saying, oh, you know, I'm stuck in the story. Can I go to just, you know, cultivating love and kindness or compassion, and then it does, can shift your state sometimes, you know, and so I I don't think it's one or the other, but maybe it's, there's room for both, because sometimes that becomes another way to just avoid what's happening, right, or sometimes we can miss the territory of what is it to be with what's uncomfortable and 
Well, I've also noticed like this spiritual bypassing. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, and that's why I started noticing, well, maybe there, I don't need to go straight yeah. there. Yeah. Which I think is, I think it's great that you're on to that because I think that's very powerful to do because yeah, what is it to not go anywhere? You know, what is, what is this thing of, what is it to be, to, f- you know, the Buddha talk about freedom here and now. It's not freedom like when I change it. And so that's, a, I think that's sort of like, are we looking in the right place? And the right place is here. There are all kinds of things we can do to make ourselves feel better. And they're, they're skillful a lot of the time. It's not like you should never change your state. That would be weird. We change our state all the time just by turning on the radio. You know, or just by pulling out your phone, you change your state. Right? We change it by talking to somebody. It's good to recognize we're changing it all the time, and that's totally fine. And yet there's value in practicing being with the things like you're saying. I think it's great to be onto that because there's nothing wrong with the thing you've been doing. It's just like inclu- emphasizing this other piece a little bit too because that's the under-practiced part for most of us. The under-practiced part is how do I be with it when it's, you know. And that's a very, very valuable thing. It's like, and when you meet somebody who can be with things not going well, yeah, and things not being it, subject to our control. That's what freedom is about. That's what the peace that the Buddha is talking about. It's about being able to do that when it's not according with our will. And that's a, it's not like you should be able to just do that. That's what we're practicing in, you know, and that's what this kind of like letting, people talk about letting go. It's letting go in or letting go into letting go into, be, into things as they are. We're letting go of the struggle and the push and the tension and the story. And that is a quite a, it's, 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 we, start to, there's, we start to touch into peace in the midst of things as they are. A peace that's not dependent on it being a certain way, which is, yeah. I see you nodding. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, time is, f- it's time, right? Yeah, it's nine, f- yeah. I'm, I'm, a, I'm into ending on time. So if you have anything else you want to talk about, you can come up and uh, I'll stick around for a few minutes afterwards. And, but let's just sit for a few moments and, and uh, dedicate the merit. It's, um, we're kind of, I, I enjoy this kind of dialogue. We're kind of just getting into it, I think. We could probably stay here a lot longer, but. It's late. People are tired, I'm sure. So, so hopefully, um, hopefully you'll just continue to uh, look deeply into your own experience. May we continue to look deeply into our own hearts and minds. And may we see things, meet things as they are. And may this clear and sustained knowing free us for the sake of all beings. Thank you for coming. Thank you for your presence and your practice. And uh, I'm in the ro- Monday night rotation, so I'll be back in sometime in November. Thank you.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.